0: Yasmin, am I a good friend of
1: yours? Why yes, Ali, I would say that you're a good friend of mine. Likewise, am I a good friend
0: of yours? Why yes, Yasmin, I would consider you a good friend of mine. Yasmin, was I always a good friend of yours? Actually, Groups, you rather annoyed me the first
1: time I met you, and I didn't think we were friends until around a year after we first met.
0: What? I wasn't? What you mean to say? That you weren't immediately captivated by my charming wit and shiny white teeth? Actually, I think you
1: rather put me off by asking weirdly personal questions despite the fact that i never met you before, such as asking whether I still liked my friends in other classes or if I'd grown distant from them.
0: Oh no, that's not what I like to hear. But we're friends now, aren't we? No, no, no. I despise you, which is exactly why I spend most of my free time with you, and exactly why I chose you to start this podcast with. Oh. Well, that brings us to this week's mildly scandalous topic, which I imagine only some of you have experience with. Haha. Hee hee. And that is friendship. To begin this episode, we're actually going to start by talking about loneliness, which may seem strange since we're discussing friendship, but I think it's important that we consider this loneliness epidemic. And notice here that I use this phrase loneliness epidemic, which is becoming more and more commonly coined, be it true or not. When Yasmin and I were discussing this earlier, this topic of loneliness, You thought it was surprising, didn't you, that loneliness figures are allegedly increasing since with the help of technology in our lives, it should actually be easier for people to stay in touch with their friends who are only a phone call away. And I've been thinking about that and I've come to the conclusion that I disagree. I think the reason more and more people seem to be lonely is because of technology rather than in spite of it. Nowadays you can just DM your friend on Instagram or if you're really hip and with it you can send them a quick snap on Snapchat and therefore the need to see your friend in person is becoming more and more obsolete. So I would argue that the reason people are finding it harder and harder to make friends is due to the increasing influence of technology in our world. But I'm interested, Yasmin, to know what you think. Why do you think so many people in the world are lonely when everyone is trying so hard to make meaningful connections? Or rather, why do you think people find it so hard to make friends nowadays? I must confess that I'm quite nostalgic for the days when children would go around the maple together, and it makes me yearn for the days before technology existed. Groobs and her maples, everyone. But in answer to your question,
1: although I definitely agree that technology means we don't have to see our friends face to face as often as we did in the past, as someone who has a lot of friends overseas, I definitely think that technology has really helped me keep in contact with a lot of these friends. But I think when technology can prove a hindrance, and not even just on te- on like social media, but in real life, when you first meet people, a lot of people aren't genuine. In, sen- in the sense that they might be toning down a lot of themselves to try and make themselves more likable to the point where the people you first meet are nothing like the person they are in reality. And if everyone is toning themselves down and becoming like trying to be more likable to the point where they're not even themselves anymore, it can be very hard to make genuine connections with people who aren't being genuine in that sense. In fact, I have this friend who kind of tries the opposite in which she tries to actively be the most strangest, most out there version of herself whenever she meets new people, to try to ensure that all friendships she makes, although they might be few, are very strong and genuine. And I can see that it actually has worked for her because she's had friends because who's moved away like me pretty much for all her life because she goes to an international school, but she's still in very good contact with a lot of them. In fact, all of them rather. But what do you think, groups? Do you think this is an effective way of meeting new people and making friends? And I know for a fact that if I met every stranger uh, with the kind of attitude that I have towards my close friends, I could have put off some people who are now my close friends and not be friends with them. So I think there's definitely two sides to
0: be had here. I do. I actually really respect your friend for always trying to be a weirder version of herself. I personally like to think that I too am the sort of dive into the deep end kind of gal. What is the point of just casually dipping in your toes into the water when you might as well catapult in and smash the entire surface of the pool? Um, I'm not entirely sure that metaphor works. I think I'm getting a bit carried away. But I do think that if people get into the habit of showing less of a front when they meet people and are less conscious of how others perceive them, if people make a conscious effort not to put up a protective barrier to their true self every time they meet someone new, then, in my opinion, our world would be a much more honest, open place. Yeah,
1: I think I agree with you. But I also think there's a cautionary tale to be had there, because remember when I first met you, you asked me those personal questions and I didn't really like you after that. But if I had maybe known you for a couple of weeks even, I would have been completely fine with you, despite the fact that you as a person wouldn't have really changed. So I think... It's always important to kind of realise that when you first meet someone, they are going to be a stranger to you. And I don't think you should try and become a likeable generic person because of that, because like we said, it doesn't, you're not being genuine. But if you can maybe be a more, I guess, a likeable version of yourself in that you're still you, you haven't kind of watered down aspects of your personality, but maybe not just as intense as you might be with close friends, because it will, it can and it did put me off.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree that it is a matter of reading the room, which is something that I sometimes struggle with and that there are going to be occasions when you should tone down your behavior to fit the situation. Um, the word that's coming to mind right now is balance. Just like with diet, you need some sugars, some carbohydrates, and some protein, which I personally am lacking a little bit of right now, since I'm almost a vegetarian. It's the same with personalities and when you first meet people. You need to balance your behaviour with theirs. But that being said, I do think people could stand to be a little weirder when they meet people for the first time and that when you notice yourself instinctively putting on that um, normal air you should get into the habit of stopping yourself and thinking actually I'll let myself be weird because in reality no one's normal everyone's weird and if people do stop putting on as much of a front I do think people would find it easier to Make friends quicker and more efficiently.
1: So me and Groves were kind of discussing this previously, but we were kind of thinking, like, are the friends we make predestined in the sense of how much does our background have an effect on the friends we make, you know?
0: Yeah I think this word background is quite a vague broad word so I think it'd be interesting if for the purposes of this podcast we split the word background into two components. First your socio-economic background and by that I mean your financial situation the type of food you eat at home whether that's chapati or fish and chips or ramen. What you look like the kind of conversation your family have at dinner, your religion, race, etc. Versus your interests. For instance, Yasmin, I play the saxophone, you play the saxophone. I play netball, you play netball. I think it's interesting to think about which of those two factors is more influential in determining who one becomes friends with. And I think the first thing to flag up when comparing these two factors, socioeconomic background and interests, is that often people are limited in these aspects. For instance, if you live in a rich small town in America and everyone at your high school also lives in that rich small town, obviously you're going to become friends with people of a similar socioeconomic background to you. Because those are the only people that you're exposed to. And equally, if you're a swimmer and swim five times a week, as I used to back in the day, uh, many of the people you spend time with and hence many of your friends will probably share that interest with you. But I think it's more interesting if we discuss this, assuming we're in a mixed environment. So let's just say you go to a school where everyone comes from different socioeconomic background and has a range of interests. I'm curious to consider whether, if people are in this mixed environment, uh, do they tend to gravitate towards those who have the same interests as them or towards those of a similar socioeconomic background? Personally, in a mixed environment, I think, your socioeconomic background would be more important in deciding who you become friends with initially in the short term. And I'm flagging up the fact that I said in the short term, um, I think that's because of the sense of familiarity, right? When humans are in unfamiliar foreign environments, it's only human nature that we would naturally lean towards those who are familiar and safe. You know, I have a friend and I'm pretty sure that part of why I initially wanted to become friends with her was because I recognised in her many similar qualities to those of my family members. But I think that with the passage of time, socioeconomic background falls through and sharing common interests develops more influence in why people become friends with each other. Because ultimately, having the same interests as someone means you have a lot more to talk about and you can have much richer conversations. I've noticed a lot of my more recent friends that I've made may not come from a similar socioeconomic background to me, but they do have the same curiosity as me to discuss questions about the world as we do in this podcast. Uh, So ultimately, if I had to compare the two factors, I would personally say that in the short-term socioeconomic background, But in the long term, in a mixed environment with many different types of people, having the same interest as someone is what secures a meaningful friendship. Yasmin, what do you think?
1: I think you make some good points, but I also think it's important to acknowledge that your socioeconomic background also has a pretty large effect on your interest, I think. Even if it's something like sports, different countries have different sports that are major. For example, in Japan, baseball is huge, whereas in England, it's, you know football and rugby and to a lesser extent cricket as well so I think if country can influence your interests in that one way so much I think if you include other things like race and religion and age and everything else I think your interests are probably very much affected by who you are as a person. Although I think another back to technology, but I think one good thing is because we have a lot more information at our hands, everyone can learn a lot more easily about other people's cultures and traditions and things that might have not been open to them once before. So yeah, I definitely think interests are becoming a lot more predominant in when it comes to finding friendships and things.
0: When it comes to this idea of influence, you know, you might already have certain similarities with your friend before becoming friends. But I would say that there's no doubt you'll develop many more similarities the closer you become. So it's a combination, I would say. It's like the chicken and egg scenario, which came first, being similar to each other by nature or influencing each other to the extent that you become similar.
1: I think that's an interesting point to raise about influences but I also think it's too important to recognize that your friends aren't the only people in your life who do influence you for example your family obviously influence you greatly and I think when it comes to changing you as a person I feel like your family has like the backbone and the kind of established traits probably come from your family because it's what you've grown up with it's what you see every day but I think when it comes to more Day-to-day changes, for example, the words I use or whatever TV shows I'm currently into, I think that's a lot more based on friendships rather than family.
0: Yes, I agree with everything you said about friends and family and their respective influence on people's personal development. Um, I actually have a fun story to tell about how I influenced one of my friends. This was back in year two when I was around seven years old, the ripe young age. And I think this story illustrates the kind of short-term influence friends can have on one another. Uh, So at that time, I was in a friendship group with, let's call her Lila, and another girl, let's call her Lucy. And I was very jealous that day because I felt that Lila and Lucy were closer to each other than they were to me which is a common problem in groups of three, as some of our listeners might know. And so I set out that day to wreck their friendship and bring them down. And I enlisted the help of my friend. um, Let's call him Leo, who prior to that day was very well behaved. The plan was to finish changing early for PE And then I made Leo go into Lucy's coat pocket and take out her keys, which had a special new keychain, and then put them in Lila's coat pocket. After that, at break time, we framed it, saying, oh, Lila, what's that glistening in your coat pocket? No, could it possibly? Could it possibly be Lucy's keys? Did you steal Lucy's keys? (laughs) And from my memory, it actually worked for about 15 minutes, but after that, it unfortunately backfired and I was lamentably found out and Leo and I got in trouble and had to miss break the next day. But my point, other than wanting to tell the story, of course, was to give an example of how friends can influence their friends on a more day-to-day basis. I wasn't influencing his entire personality, I don't think, but I did make him naughtier than he otherwise would have been.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it shows the influence thing, but I also think it shows just how kind of messed up and unhealthy your friendship possibly was. I mean, like disclaimer to anyone who's listening, although hopefully you don't need this, don't pull the malicious pranks on your friends cause you're jealous of them. And we'll touch on this later, but I'm sure there are better ways we could have resolved this rather than trying to actively get your friends to hate each other.
0: On the topic of how we choose our friends, I also get this image that a good friend is someone who drops everything for their friend, someone who worries about them constantly, and someone who almost loses their self in that process. But I would like to say that I heartily disagree with that. I think if you do have this lose yourself in the process attitude towards friendship, you'll find probably a lot of your friendships will actually be quite unhealthy, Uh, and I think this question of, as a friend, should you prioritise yourself or your friend, is a really interesting thing to think about. Personally, I am an advocate almost always for prioritising yourself, as selfish as it sounds. At the end of the day, I think, it's your feelings and your space, etc., that you need to protect. And if you're in a friendship where you feel as though you're putting in more effort than the other person is... I personally believe you have every right to step back and distance yourself, even if your friend might benefit from your friendship. I don't know. It's a tricky one. Yasmin, what say you? I I disagree.
1: I don't think the point of a friendship is to make yourself feel better. Like, I don't think healthy friendships are built along the kind of lines of I am in this friendship for my own gain. And in fact, I think if you prioritise yourself constantly, you could end up being that friend, whether you like it or not, that the other person is constantly trying to help all the time making it a pretty unhealthy relationship. I think if your friends are going through a hard time, you should definitely be there for them, you know? And hopefully they'll be there for you during your hard times. You don't have to constantly be each other's crutches, but it's always nice to know that they're there for you in that sense. Because I think ultimately, if you are in a healthy friendship, it should never get to the point where being there for your friendship means putting your own well-being at risk, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I I would agree that in some situations, obviously, uh, you should unconditionally be there for your friend um, if they're having a particularly hard time. But I think what I was trying to get at was the importance of stepping back And I urge our listeners to do this after listening to this episode. Step back and look at your friends and think, is the net value of this person's friendship having a positive impact on my life? Are they altogether a ray of light shining in? Obviously, sometimes you might have to comfort your friend if they're feeling sad. And that's not necessarily going to make you feel uh, happy but I'm, I'm talking about the net value, the overall impact of your friends. And I think what's really important is having the bravery, having the self-respect to distance yourself from your friend if they're not having a positive impact on your life and not feeling guilty or blaming yourself for that, but just sort of respecting your own needs.
1: Actually, this this might be a hot take but I kind of take issue with the whole distancing thing because everyone makes it seem like unhealthy relationships just kind of go away, like you'll just be able to magically distance yourself, but that's not true a lot of the time. You Most of the time, you have to communicate with this person. In fact, you have to confront this person, probably. And is this a hot take to say that confrontation is actually a pretty good thing? Like, no one likes it. I don't like confrontation. But a lot of the time, I feel like people need to suck it up and talk and talk about these hard, difficult feelings that are really unpleasant. But in the end, it either leads to the really... It's good for the relationship. It allows you to gauge where each of the people are. You can be more mature and open and you can decide to end it in a more clean way than just kind of leaving it to chance because that's the thing when you say you want to distance yourself you're not putting the responsibility on yourself or the other person you're just kind of hoping the universe will make it go away and a lot of the time that really really doesn't happen
0: go yasmin no i agree i think it was very brave of you to say what you just said about Uh, how important confronting your friend is in order to make progress with your friendship. And I'd like to tell our listeners about the book I'm reading called The Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton. And I was absolutely outraged and appalled by the lack of communication in the main marriage that goes on. I'm sorry, if you have a problem with your husband or your wife, uh, and this goes with friends too, talk because um, how are you supposed to sort anything out if you just look at each other in silence and try to read your eyes? Definitely, I I feel like people should know that communication
1: and confrontation are good things, but the thing is people still don't do it. So really, anyone listening, please, if you feel like you have any issues anywhere with a person, just suck it up, talk to them. It's probably not gonna go as badly as you imagined.
0: So those are our mildly scandalous takes for this week's episode and if you can take anything away it is that you should be a weirder version of yourself when you meet people for the first time to help you make friends and weave out those who are not weird enough for you. So whether that means slurping your food as loudly as possible, wearing your socks inside out and if you have any other suggestions for how to be strange then please get in touch Uh, I think that was slightly uh, left to the
1: point that we made, but you know what, if you want to eat your food loudly, go for it. I guess my main take would be to be needlessly confrontational with everyone. I'm joking, don't do that, you'll be very much disliked.
0: Alright Yasmin, over and out.